Goals, strange decisions, stupid decisions, just another weekend in Serie A. Maybe it's Halloween upcoming. Who knows? Uh, but we're going to break it all down here on Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is. I'm Frank Crivello, uh, always with me, co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Good evening, Frank. How are you? Uh, I'm well. I'm well. It's um, it's getting cold here in Wisconsin. Um, it's, uh, you know... It's that time of year where things are supposed to go unusual because it's uh, trick-or-treat time and Halloween and all that other stuff. Kids got their trick-or-treating in yesterday. So anyway, um, but uh, nonetheless, excited to uh, be back and talking a little calcio here, Richard. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely excited. It looks like uh, Milan got the memo about playing scary. Uh, that's what they've been doing lately. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have calcio back as always. Uh, you know, I'm glad these international breaks uh, come far and few between these days, so uh, keep the keep the league action going, keep the momentum going, and all the goals that we obviously see week in and week out. Oh, definitely. Um, so it's um, you know we've got uh, we've got midweek uh, Serie I action that we will preview here shortly uh, after we get through everything that took place uh, on match week nine. Uh, so that's going to be the well, – we'll touch a little bit on the European results. We've got uh, – I believe we have a question or two from our uh, listeners, if uh, I'm not mistaken, as well. Uh, so uh, we'll cover all of that here uh, in this podcast. So let me get to the results, and uh, we'll break them down game by game. Everything actually started on Friday. Uh, Hellas Verona playing host to Sassuolo. Uh, and Sassuolo figured out how to win a game 1-0, Richard. Um Filip Juricic uh, in the 50th minute, uh, assisted by Bolga. Both of these players are pretty influential in this game. Dirty game. There were seven yellow yes. cards uh, in the first half. Um, you know, but Sassuolo going on the road and uh, winning at Hellas Verona there. Uh, you know, big win for you know for their resume. I mean, I think there's no question about Sassuolo is going to survive. It's it's can they maybe make a splash into the top half of the table? And they need to have wins like this. It's not always about being fun bad with them. They need to figure out how to get these one nil wins. So good for them. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, or at least morning in our neck of the woods in Italy, it was afternoon. Lecce and Juventus, a 1-1 draw. It was a Dybala penalty in the 50th minute, a VAR review on this. Um, uh, player fouled, uh, Pjanic was fouled at the edge of the penalty area, and the infraction occurred right on the line. The line's a part of the penalty area, so the what started off as a free kick was reviewed and turned into a penalty. Um, and then uh, it was Mancosu getting a penalty just six minutes later. Um Interesting thing we'll talk about here. Cristiano Ronaldo left home. Uh, we'll discuss that as part of the uh, talking points uh, from match week nine and did not make the trip uh, with Juventus uh, for this game. Uh, but uh, Saudi side dropped points. So Inter have a chance to take advantage um, and climb back into the top of the table if they would have beaten Parma. But Pazzo Inter showed up. Um, Antonio Candreva scoring in the 23rd minute and... Uh, when is the team most vulnerable after they scored a goal? Well, three minutes later, a uh, old friend, Caramo, with a goal of the week candidate scoring in the 26th. Uh, and then Parma pulled ahead in the 30th minute. Um, some some pretty slack defending from Inter on a counterattack. Caramo playing in Gervinho, who has an easy one-time finish to put Parma ahead 2-1. Uh, Inter's blushes are spared somewhat by a Romelu Lukaku goal in the 51st minute that was first considered offside. Uh, VAR reviewed it and said that he was onside and called it a goal. Um, we'll uh, discuss that. 
Genoa 3, Brescia 1, Sandro Tonali. This is the goal of the week. Uh, magnificent free kick from the youngster. Um, but uh, Genoa in Tiago Mota's debut, uh, a first ever in Serie A. Three substitutes come on and all three of them score. In the space of 15 minutes, no doubt. Agudelo in the 66th. Uh, Kwame with with a goal of the week candidate in the 75th. And Goran Pandev at the ripe old age of 65 scores in the 79th minute. And uh, that is a goal of the week candidate as well. Uh, Sunday's action. Bologna 2, Sampdoria 1. It was Rodrigo Palacio in the 48th minute. Uh, Sampdoria would level things with a Gabbiadini goal that is a goal of the week candidate uh, before Mattia Bani scoring in the 78th minute. A, uh, a Serie A sit-down tout, uh, Mattia Bani. Uh, getting the winner there. So um, Atalanta, uh, after taking a battering in Manchester at the hands of Manchester City, come home and they do Atalanta things and they do them to Udinese. Uh, 7-1 the final here. Uh, Udinese actually got the scoring going first, a mistake uh, playing out of the back by Atalanta, a goal from Okaka uh, in the 11th. Uh, Ten minutes later, Ilicic would level the scoring at 1-1. Uh, and then a foul uh, in the penalty area by Opoku, who uh, this would be his second yellow, turning into a red. Uh, Luis Muriel would take advantage and on the penalty and put Atalanta ahead by two goals to one. And then when it's you know Udinese are down to ten men and they're playing at Atalanta, it's pretty cut and dry what's going to happen the rest of the way. And Atalanta, uh, they ate. Uh, let's just say that Ilicic in the 43rd, Muriel in the 47th, Pasalic in the 52nd. Luis Muriel with another pen in the 75th minute. And 17-year-old Traore finishing it off in the 83rd. Atalanta with a Super 7 winning. And uh, don't look now, they're only three points behind Juve at the top of the Serie A table. Spal won, Napoli won. Napoli, another team that had a chance to take advantage of Juve's draw uh, and couldn't. Uh, Arkadiusz Milik in the ninth minute uh, canceled out by a Yasmin Kurtic goal in the 16th. Uh, Torino won, Cagliari won. Uh, Naitan Nendez getting his first calorie goal and really a, you know, just a, just peeling the onion with the form this kid is in, uh, playing for Cagliari and putting them ahead. Uh, Simone Zatza getting a equalizing goal in the 69th minute. Don't look now. Cagliari are unbeaten in seven straight. Um, Roma two, Milan one, uh, Aiden Dzeko, uh, totally unmarked, uh, scoring in the 38th minute, uh, on a, uh, redirected ball on the corner kick. Um, Frank Kessie just didn't feel like following him in. Uh, Teo Hernandez scoring two level things in the 55th minute. Um, Milan fans feeling good about themselves, but then Milan doing Milan things like uh, forcing a pass into the middle third of the pitch uh, and leaving it, leaving Roma with a huge advantage, getting to, getting it to Zaniolo, who wins the game for Roma in the 58th. And then the nightcap on Sunday, Fiorentina 1, Lazio 2, as entertaining as Fiorentina and Lazio would sound, this was a good game. Joaquin Correa uh, in this 22nd opened things up, was originally called offside. VAR took a look and said, uh, no, it's, this was good, uh, and they were right. Uh, five minutes later, Fiorentina would level it on Chiesa, being fed by Ribery. Very nice goal there. Not quite a goal of the week candidate with the quality of some of the others, but it's up there. Uh, and uh, no more scoring after that. Lots of chances, but no more scoring until the 89th minute when... Team Serie A sit-down captain Ciro Immobile coming through in the 89th minute uh, to give Lazio a big 2-1 win and move them up to sixth. Uh, let's start, Richard, with the champions. Uh, Ronaldo left at home uh, for this game at Lecce. Uh, 
problem with uh, Saudi's decision here, or are you okay with it? I'm okay with it. Juve are a star-studded squad. They should be able to beat anybody in Syria with or without Ronaldo. Um, they've done that before he got there, and I'm sure they can do it once he's gone. So I'm completely fine with this. The, the old man needs some rest, especially if uh, they have their eyes you know, set on bigger prizes being the Champions League. Give the man his rest, and I'm, I'm totally fine with this. I am, too, for the simple reason that uh, Juventus had plenty of chances. I mean, they had 25 shots in this game. Um, you know, they had four only on target. So, I mean, it comes down to the players on the pitch. There were plenty of chances to go ahead and put this game away. Um, and they just, and they just didn't. And then, you know, you have the, uh, the delict handball having his arm out. I mean, you have some careless things going on in this game on top of it. Um, you know, dare I say a, a Max Allegri team can go there without Ronaldo and find a way to win this game one nil. Oh, yeah, yeah. The resourceful Juve, it's, it's, it's all because of Allegri. Uh, they find ways, but uh, Sarri hasn't quite found the ways yet, but uh, it's still young in his uh, in his uh, leadership at the moment. So, you know, come end of the season, I expect them to uh, finish these opportunities. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see if this gets any better. I mean, obviously, you probably look at this and you say this is just a one-off as far as uh, yeah. uh, the Bianconeri is concerned. I wouldn't get too carried away, but, I mean, they – they had all of the characteristics to go on and win a game, and you know what? Sometimes you're just going to go on the road and drop points. But the eleven that they put out there, I mean, this is a this is an eleven that should no doubt uh, they performed well overall and should no doubt go out and win uh, against Lecce. They had Chesney and Gold, Danilo, Leonardo Bonucci, Delict, and uh, Alexandro, Benton, Corpianich, Emery Chan, Benedeschi, Dybala, and Iguain. That's an eleven that should beat this Lecce side. So sure, um, but to so, be fair, to be fair to Lecce, they've been very stingy as of late and. Um, they were giving everybody fits at the moment, and not just Juventus. So uh, you have Mancosu leading the way, and then with guys like with the team playing the way at the moment, they're they're up for for games at the moment. So they're making it very difficult for anybody, even even the champions. You know, and but if Lazio, uh, I mean, excuse me, Lazio, Lecce, and in, in an effort to be able to survive the first season, <laughs> this is a huge point, and you know, yeah, this is a point that the right. This is a point that the fellow rege- relegation strugglers probably aren't going to have. Uh, when you look at this in the big picture, uh, and Mancosu comes, are you talking about uh, Milan? I'm, well, yeah, Milan, too, well, Milan, Milan, are, Milan, Milan aren't going to get a point against Juventus here in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, let's just get that one. Let's just get that one done and out of the way. So, um, uh, but uh, you know, some of the guys that performed well in the uh, um, in the game against Milan turned up and played pretty well here. Calderoni. Uh, uh, Mancosu, obviously, with the penalty. Babacar, uh, solid in the holdup play. Uh, Gabriel making some key saves. Uh, wasn't really tested as far as shots on goal in this game, but um, it's, it's a Lecce team that just took two points here from teams that they you know, looked at the fixtures and said, well, we're not getting points here. Um, dare I say, maybe they're, two, maybe they're two points ahead of schedule in their bid to uh, survive relegation. Yeah, it, and it's good for them because uh, many people count them out. I mean, including uh, including us, and for good reason. But yeah, I mean, they're at eight points at the moment, sixteenth place, uh, just one point out of the relegation spot. So I mean, not many people thought many people thought they were going to collect any points this season, let alone eight. So I mean, they're way ahead of schedule at the moment, and uh, they're actually not, you know, as I said, not in relegation right now at the moment. So you know, good for them. They're getting crucial points at a very tough, you know, tough locations and. Um, good on them and good on good on the manager for sure for getting them getting ready for the games. Yep. So Lecce getting the one-one draw. So then uh, Inter with a chance to uh, seize control here and don't get it done. You had a a, a listener question uh, uh, for us regarding Inter. Why don't we start with that? 
Yeah, so uh, we're on the um, International Calcio Forum on Facebook, uh, and uh, one one of the main guys, uh, Kevy Birch, uh, his his question to us is: um, Is Conte's statements regarding the squad with Bastoni and Esposito acceptable and a prelude to further complaints? A commonplace with the coach. Uh, so basically, what he's referring to is uh, uh, there was a quote uh, from Conte that. Um, in, in summation is that you know they're injury plagued at the moment it's hard for them to play in all these competitions you know champions league Coppa Italia, Serie A with with a with a depleted squad and you know he was forced to for, forced to start two youngsters Esposito a 17 year old and then as well uh, Bastoni the 20 year old defender and so you know some of the comments he made was that you know um they need some depth they need to figure out what to do because um yes while the youngsters play we must make assessments with the club and understand where we can do better uh, but he understands that this is part of a growth project, and we are also focusing on young people like Bastoni and Esposito, and we need to be patient, but I am still worried anyways. Um, this is fair, I mean, because, you know, to be a top-level team in the world, not just in, in the league, you need to have some quality depth, and when your guys go down injury, you need to have people come in and step up, and at the moment, it seems that Inter don't have that, um, or, or just the guys that they did have all got injured as well, so... Um, depth is a little bit of an issue with uh, with Conte's team at the moment, and I think it's a uh, fair criticism that you know he kind of wants reinforcements come maybe January because uh, that's you know that's going to be a hectic time of the season, and if you don't have uh, reserves just in case something like this happens, then you might be uh, looking at lo- losing some points here and there. I mean, but this is Conte being Conte. I mean, he's, he's, yes, he, does he does this, this everywhere. everywhere he goes. I need more players. I need reinforcements. I need this. I need that. Um, and you know, quite frankly. <laughs> you know, you get tired of it after a while. Um, you know, you get tired of hearing of it after a while if you're a fan. So, uh, you know, for me, it's, you know, it, 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 some of it's that. But then, I mean, th- these are reasonable players. I mean, uh, I'm looking at Bastoni. He had a nice game here. Two interceptions, three tackles, uh, was fouled twice, did commit a couple of fouls, uh, but, you know, helped his team keep the ball and created a chance. So, you know, from his position, he did fine. Uh, you know, and I don't think that that he was an issue. And I think Esposito came on as a substitute, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but then it's another game, another thing. You know, when you're playing a fixture list where you're playing a game every three days and you're trying to compete on all fronts, the young players are going to be asked to step up at some point and contribute. I mean, we saw yeah. this with Milan under Ancelotti through the years. Poloski had to play games, okay, and and stepped up and scored, you know, scored a goal or two. Uh, I think. It wasn't the season that they that they won the Champions League in 2007. It might have been the season following, or somewhere somewhere in there, or somewhere before that. Um, you know, but when you're you're competing on multiple fronts, it's it's silly to keep asking um, yeah. for the same 11 players or the same 13 or 14 players to continue to go out and play every game. Ask Saudis Napoli how that worked out for them. Uh, because at the end of the day, they came away with nothing. So, you know, at some point, you've got to find games and find opportunities where you're going to have to sprinkle in younger players. You're going to have to sprinkle in inexperienced players. So, you know, I personally don't have an issue with it. You know, and and, and the Antonio Conte comments, that, that's that's Conte being Conte, in my opinion. So, um, you know, he's he has said that just about everywhere he's gone. So, um, you know, but uh, I mean, more worrying for me is just, you know, interplayed with a personality that they just expected to win this game. Uh, but they didn't, you know, it's, it's almost as if for, for at least the first half, you know, they wanted to go on and they wanted, they certainly wanted to win the game. They just didn't look like they wanted to play the game. No. And then, uh, they kind of maybe, um, uh, 
overlooked Parma. Parma's been playing fairly well lately, especially you know with uh, some of the additions they have on their team. Uh, the team has really played much better offensively, and, and Caramo coming back to his old team and, and coming back to haunt them really. And um, yeah, the, if you know you overlook squads like like Parma, they can they can uh, get a, get points from you, in which uh, Parma did. I mean, beautiful goals by them in, in a four minute stretch. So Inter, they have these moments, right? Pato Inter, we talked about it last week. You know, at times when they should be blowing teams out, they they keep other teams involved, and sometimes those teams take advantage of them. So. Uh, they need to do better on these kind of and these kind of mistakes, uh, especially as the season goes on. If they have if they have true contentions of of being contenders and winning win the Scudetto this year or anytime soon, they need to correct these mistakes because silly things like this, the reigning champions do not make. No, and you know, I mean, and also <laughs> we always see this narrative when a former player gets to play against you and gets to make his mark. Yeah, and Caramo yeah. did just that; he had a goal and an assist in this game too. I mean, in the first half. Uh, you know, Inter certainly had the ball more, but Parma carried out their game plan. I mean, and you can it, it's convenient to say because Parma was 2-1 up at halftime, but they were equal on shot. They were pretty much equal on shots, certainly on shots on target. So, you know, Parma was definitely making much more use of their uh, their their time with the ball than Inter did in the second half. That totally changed. Conte made some nice adjustments, uh, and all of a sudden Parma found themselves under siege and just maybe happy to get out of their uh, with the points. So, I mean, the three points were there for the taking, and I definitely don't blame the lineup selection here. I, I maybe blame the casual way that Inter approached things when they lost the ball in the first half. I mean, particularly that second goal was a glaring example of the issues that they were facing, and they made the corrections to to get the point in the second half. So, to, to, to rescue the point. Speaking of issues, I have issues with the, the, the game-tying goal by Lukaku. Um, you know, at first it was called offside, and then VAR walked it back and said it was a good goal. I have a problem with that because I believe that was offside. And, you know, what the real problem is is there's no really black and white rule on what offside is. It's it's left up to the referees, right? Because most of the time it seems like any body part is off in front of the uh, past the defender, it's offside. In this case, Candreva, half his body was offside, but his feet were technically behind the defenders, so it was a, it was a good play. I mean... It's head scratching to me. It's confusing when you're a fan when you can't. There's no direct answer. It's, just, it, it's up to objection by whoever's viewing it as referee. Uh, yeah. Um, it's just it's it's you know it's a be- it's beauty in the eye of the beholder. What one referee sees is one thing, another referee is seen as another thing. I mean, we see this with the extended arm in the penalty area. You know, some referees go to VAR and they decide it's a handball. Other referees don't. Uh, you know, don't give it a second thought and say, okay, fine. Um, it's uh, it, it, it my my initial ruling was correct. So, um, but that's you know I think it's the same thing with the offside. You've seen things where okay, if an arm's in the offside position but the rest of the body isn't, it's 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 a judgment call. Do you let it go or do you do you stick with the offside? I mean, yeah, I think it was a perfect example where was it a, was it Tottenham that got hard done by on a on a VAR ruling where yeah. it was just like yeah. yeah. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a former striker, so. I, I like if it, this is going to be the call where where your feet are is where you're determined if you're offside or onside. I'm fine with that because I, I think it's stupid that you get called offside for your hands being offside, you know, past the shoulder. What's your hand going to do? Um, but you know they're not consistent at all. That's what that's what's bugging me. It says there's no consistency in this call. And I mean I get the whole you know, with penalties in the box, but you know the offside stuff. It just I like to see a little more clarity if possible. But it's Syria. They can't even get freaking racism down. So no, I agree. I definitely agree. So, um, so two two there. Uh, Genoa three, Brescia one. I mean, let's begin with uh, Sandro Tonali. I mean, the, the, mm. this is a kid that's uh, 
I saw a couple people go on Twitter and be dicks about this and say that that was a that was an attempted cross. I mean, I I, I know what attempted crosses look like. That wasn't an attempted cross. That was a shot. It was. And even it if it was, was, applaud the freaking goal. It's beautiful yeah, location. You know. It was beautifully struck. Um, very well taken. Uh, you know. So I mean, and here's the thing. It's going to be really, really hard for the big clubs to come and get this kid because it sounds like Brescia have a project in place. I've seen uh, snippets. I can't exactly remember where, so forgive me uh, whoever had this uh, had this posted. But uh, Brescia's owner seems intent on trying to build something and want to build something through Sandro Tonali. So um, if if these big clubs want them, they better they better come with a lot of money to get them. Yeah, I don't know if it was Matteo Bonetti or somebody was saying, "Oh, that's a three hundred million price tag on this guy." I don't know if uh, he was just saying that and that's what it should be or what what the actual owners are putting on him. But um, they're gonna have to spend big money. I think they should focus around him. If you know, Brescia should be a team that focuses and and tries to remain in the league and also become a contender um, as they were in the past. And building building your club around a guy like Tonali and some of the other guys they have in this club, it's a great, it's the right way to go and try to build off of that. You're gonna get fans in the game. This guys, this guy's gonna be with the Azzurri also, you know, for years to come. So take advantage of the build around them, kind of like what Cairo did with Belotti at Torino. So um, hopefully that is the case with Brescia, and uh, hopefully they can ward off all the uh, the big suitors that will sure to come uh, from around the world. Yeah, I definitely agree with uh, with all of that. Now, dirty game here too. Eight yellow cards uh, in total. Nobody getting sent off. You thought the way the game was kind of chipping away that it uh, um, that something was going to happen here that uh, that somebody was going to get sent off at some point. But uh, uh, Tiago Mota played one 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 as manager here of Genoa, taking over for um, the skinny Robert Irvine uh, and. Uh, <laughs> and getting a win and, and and doesn't he look like a genius as a manager his first game in charge he makes three substitutions and they all score never done never been done before in Serie A so now we're going to be on the lookout for what this guy does as an encore aren't we we are and uh it's first of all it was head scratching that he didn't have Kwame starting the game with Pinamonte but whatever it came back and uh Kwame got the beautiful goal the game-winning goal ultimately um, great substitution. He does look like a genius, and it was. It's you know a lot of we were talking about how maybe Car- Carrera would be the guy coming in, but Tiago Mota got the job, and a lot of talk has been about Tiago Mota because he was he kept talking about I want to re- revolutionize soccer, um, especially with the goalkeeper making a two seven two formation and whatnot. That's gonna be our next video on YouTube to break down his tactics and what we could look forward to with Genoa. But you know he stuck with the four three three in this one, and um, yeah, he made timely substitutions. They were perfect. You know, they came on. They all scored goals. You know, sixty-five year old Pandev, like you said, with a goal of the week candidate. So uh, he does look like a genius. And now let's see what he does uh, going forward. Um, he's worked with uh, worked for many brilliant minds uh, throughout Europe, and so maybe he can use some of that uh, to rub off on his team and uh, get them playing the way we expect them to play. And that's far from relegation. Two seven two, huh? So they yeah. get so if you play that formation, you're allowed an extra outfield player on the pitch. Is that how it works, or does the goalie step the goalkeeper step up? Goalkeeper steps and, up. Oh, really? We'll explain it in the video for people who don't know who aren't too familiar with this. I'm I'm intrigued by this. It, it, it looks like it's going to be entire chaos, really. But <laughs> um, but you know, if 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 somebody can be innovative and do something like that, then then uh, by all means, have at it, right? That's right. Hey, Hamburg tried it in, in the Bundesliga too, so why not? Okay, it's you know, no, no idea is a bad idea, I guess, um, <laughs> unless you hire Marco Giampaolo. 
uh, or uh, Eusebio Di Francesco to manage your team. What was it, Hungary back in the day, or somebody that played with like eleven attacking team, eleven attacking players, and left everyone no defenders back or something? Crazy? Yeah, the old, the old, the old Magyars of the fifties yes, that had yes. uh, with with Pushkas, yeah, yes. um, that uh, that were favorites to win the nineteen fifty four World Cup and lost to West Germany, yeah. Yeah, I, I I remember reading. I was way before my time, so definitely way before <laughs> your time. Um, but in any event, uh, in any event, it's um, uh, that was something that they did way back then. I mean, that was back when they were just everybody was scoring for fun. Games were like seven to five, and you know, Just Fontaine had like thirty. He has the he has the uh, single World Cup record with thirteen goals in a World Cup. Um, so that's. I don't think that ever is going to be broken. Um, you know, six is a good World Cup for a uh, Golden Boot winner nowadays. So it's just, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. You know, as far as sporting records in the whole of sport, that'll never be broken. That's one uh, you can definitely take a look at. So, but let's let's move on. Bologna Sampdoria. Um, I, I well, we touted Mattia Bani. Uh, back when he played for Kievo, we talked about, hey, this is a guy that I think a, per- a good career progression uh, would be for him to <laughs> leave Kievo. These Kievo refugees that are all of a sudden in new clubs and actually doing really well, right? You got Bonnie, so you got you know, you know, De Pauli is having a, a having having a nice uh, run of form at uh, Sampdoria, um, you know, just as a couple of examples. So. All they had to do was leave Kievo to show how good they were. And in a case, Bonnie had the goal, obviously, but yet he intercepted five passes. Um, you know, he uh, he he won as it, he won more aerial aerial duels, tools than he lost. Uh, helps the team keep the ball. You know, so he does a he did a little bit of everything in this performance, and uh, you know, really an unsung hero uh, in the grand scheme of things when you look at uh, when you look at Bologna's performance because you're 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 trusting the likes of uh, Sansoni Soriano. Uh, and uh, we didn't see Orsolini in the starting lineup. It was Scove Olsen playing in his spot. Uh, but, you know, it's, you know, those guys doing the playmaking, Palacio poaching the goals, but once in a while in order to win the game, you need a guy like Bonnie to step in and, uh, you know, seize an opportunity on a, on a set piece, and that's exactly what he did. But, uh, you know, I don't want to overly tout him and talk about that he should be in Mancini's next round of call-ups, um, but uh, he's off to a pretty nice start to life at Bologna. Yeah, and I think you know being under a manager like Mihalovic is going to help him immensely. He seems to do well with these uh, younger players who uh, need need a little um, extra boost or momentum to try to you know confidence and to get their game to the next level. And 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 we seem to have that with Bonnie um, certainly flourishing at the moment with Bologna, and that's that's good news. And hopefully his development continues. You want to see a steady progression for this season, and then you know maybe build upon that afterwards. But um, what we're seeing right now is kind of what we thought we were going to see when he was at Kievo, and it's um, it's good to see him get on the score sheet, contribute to the team, because you know while defenders are paid to stop the ball from going in the net, occasionally they're expected to you know chip in when they can. And uh, great example by Bonnie in this game. Yeah, for sure. Sampdoria, real quick, uh, under Ranieri, two games now. Uh, they had that brave draw against Roma. Here they um, they fell to. Uh, uh, to, to Bologna, Bologna had a little more possession, a relatively balanced game, but uh, maybe not what a Sampdoria supporters want, and they might be getting a little bit impatient right now after two games. But are you seeing progress here uh, under Ranieri, uh, or, or are we still really worried about uh, their their uh, prospects here going forward? Hmm. Progress, pro- progress from EDF era, yes. 
Uh, overall, no. I mean, we, this team should be scoring a lot more goals or, or playing much better, get more points. Yeah, it's only two games in, but um, they need to do a little bit better, I think. You know, yeah, Roma was a, is a hard-fought draw on that one, but you know, Bologna, you kind of expect them, the former Sampdoria team to do much better in this and uh, under Giampaolo, but it, whatever this team is just lacking confidence in the moment. Even their even their star uh, talisman uh, Quadriella not not quite up to snuff yet. So yeah, I, I I'm just gonna wait and see. I mean, I'm gonna give it you know a few more games to see really if this team can just you know get more training under Ranieri and try to fi- and get this one out. But it's certainly a step forward from EDF, but it's nowhere near where they need to be. You know, I I do not agree with that. It's a shame with uh, some pretty decent players in that team. So let's uh, let's see if they can start making some progress here and uh, getting things moving forward. So, um, okay, Atalanta, uh, we see you. Uh, we still think you're good. We never said you were a bad team for what happened at Manchester City. Manchester City do that to a lot of people. So, yeah. uh, but um, they're now three points back of. Um, Juventus, you know, and you still have the Atalanta guys saying, why not us? Uh, you know, the guy, at least the Atalanta guys on Twitter have, have said it from time to time, right? So yeah. why, why not them? Well, I think the Lazio game last week, spotting them a three-goal lead uh, is, is a good example of why not. Um, but uh, it, this just is a, a weird team to me. When you think that, okay, this is, this is an Atalanta that's going to continue to be a problem defensively, um, and, and yes, they probably are still going to be a problem defensively. They had the fortune of getting to play a 10 man Udinese, but they took, they did what good teams do. You take advantage of that you seize it and you go out and you, and you kill the game, uh, and you don't leave any doubt about the, you know, gulf and quality between you and your opponent. So, um, I guess what I'm saying, uh, hat trick from Muriel, Ilicic with a brace, Gomez with a couple of assists, usual cast of characters stepping up and stepping big. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk Atalanta here. Yeah, it's a great a great comeback after a performance that they had midweek against uh, Man City, and I, I got this theory that you know they're just they're just trying to qualify for the Champions League to get the money and just keep you know keep doing well in Serie A and, and tanking these tournaments because that's what seems to be happening. Um, best case scenario for them is that they they fall. I mean, they're certainly not going to get past the group stage in Champions League, but it, you know that they don't even make Europa League and then just focus solo solo their energy to Serie A and Coppa Italia and. You know, give the give the big boys up top who are all in these other competitions a, a run for their money. Um, it's going to suit them greatly. You know, if you know if Juve, Juve makes a deep run and Inter and Napoli make deep runs, and Atalanta just sitting back at home training like, all right, go go waste your legs. We'll we'll, we'll sit back here and watch the four for you. Um, I think this is setting setting up perfectly for Atalanta to to stay in the fight. Maybe not necessarily win the fight, but to stay in the fight. So. Um, Muriel is having a, a great great season with with Atalanta. You know, got a hat trick. He's he's amongst the top five, or I think he's even second or third in the league in scoring right now. Ilicic obviously flourishes. Uh, flourishes. Um, obviously you have Papu Gomez there as well. But Pasalic is having a, a, a reinvigorating of a career with with the, with them now as well. And um, they just keep finding gems. Triority gets his first goal. Seventeen year old for Atalanta. Um, they just keep turning out the, the the youngsters in this team. All these guys you never heard of scoring goals. Sometimes uh, it's really amazing what Gasparini does with his team. I agree with all of that. Um, 
You know, I, I can't remember who I went. I, I went back and forth with a, with a Twitter follower uh, that was complaining about Atalanta performing in the Champions League. And quite frankly, here's my take. I mean, you know, if you support one of the teams that should have unseated Atalanta for the Champions League, be mad at your team for not being there. Don't yes. be mad at Atalanta. They okay? deserved it. They deserve the right to be playing in this Champions League. Am I sorry that it's not going well for them? Absolutely, I'm sorry that it's not going well for them. I wish that they could be... Uh, you know, in contention for a second position. I truly thought with this group that they had the talent and the quality, they would have to overcome maybe having a little bit of lack of a squad depth, but that the quality was there to at least inch it over the line and get second and move on to the knockout stages. And that's clearly not going to happen at this point. They, they're, you know, they're far from it. You know, and you can say all you want about this is the worst performing Serie A team in a Champions League group stage and all this other stuff. And I didn't, I don't have the time to go back and look at the history to see if anybody's done worse, uh, partially because I don't care to. Um, but beat them then, okay? And then the perfect example for AC Milan, because he was a Milan supporter, I said, don't blow a 2-0 lead at home at the San Siro against them. Okay, when you go 2-0 up against Atalanta, you know what's coming, Right. Um, you know they're going to go like hell to try to get goals and try to get back in the game. Uh, so it's just uh, it's 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 just how it is. They earn the right to play in the Champions League. I'm sorry that they're not performing to what we hoped for Atalanta. We all had high hopes for them when that group got drawn. It hasn't worked out. Okay, and sometimes it just for whatever reason it doesn't work out. In their first go around in the Champions League, it hasn't worked out. They might qualify again next year. They might learn from their mistakes, and they might perform a little bit better next year. Okay, but don't sit here and get in a hissy fit because you're not happy with how they're playing in the Champions League. All right, good teams sometimes, you know, teams that you have higher expectations for in the Champions League, sometimes just don't live up to those expectations. It happens. Okay? So I wonder for this for this commentator who said this, um, this uh, Twitter person. What? How, how does he feel when his teams like you know say say he's Milan, Milanista? So when Milan does really well in the Champions League but sucked in the league and finished fourth, was he okay with that as well? I mean, flip the coin doesn't matter. Just be be happy that they made that made the tournament and you know and and it is what it is. I mean, if you want to be in the league in Champions League, you have to earn it. And that's what Atalanta did. It's it's point done. Um, there's nothing that can be said about it. If you want to be if you want to be there, earn it. And obviously, yeah. blowing a two nothing lead is a perfect example. Yeah, I'm not, you know, it's, it's, you know, they, <laughs> Atalanta have earned the right to do whatever they want with their Champions League games. I mean, if they want to go and, if they want to go and they want to get beat 8 0 every time, then, then that happens to them and off they go. They got their money and they can continue to build. So Collecting the money. They, That's what they've earned doing. the right to, yep. They've earned the right to be in that position. So, um, so, I mean, it just another fantastic performance from them. Took it, you know, do what good teams do, take advantage of being a man up. Uh, for, uh, you know, almost an hour of the game, um, and then, uh, and then go from there. So, uh, so no, I don't have a, don't have a, you know, don't have a complaint for how they're doing the champions league and, and, and until otherwise, until it's proven otherwise, and we'll find out about their title credentials on Wednesday when they go to Napoli at the San Paolo, but this is an Atalanta team. We all are all better stand up and take notice of this early in the season. Uh, only three points back of the old lady. Uh, in in Serie A, Spal Napoli one uh, one uh, was the final there. Um, it was uh, Napoli monopolizing the ball, uh, thirteen shots, four on target. The shots actually were pretty close. It was you know seventy thirty on the possession side here, Richard. Um, I mean, is this just? Uh, I mean, first of all, having to play Spal and having to play in Ferrara is a very you know it can be tricky. 
that's one thing. Uh, I think another thing here that uh, could be an issue is that uh, very emotional, hard-fought win at Salzburg, and then just this is the perils of having to come and uh, you know play a team that has the extra days to prepare for you and can tact and can be tactically astute. Um, I think we saw I think we saw the uh, the pitfalls of having to do a uh, a road match after uh, you know playing on the road in the Champions League. Yeah, it was natural to have a letdown after a big result like they did in midweek. Um, you know, and and playing a team like Spa is never easy, I mean, especially when it's a Ferrara and you guys got like Patania who tried to eat like Insigne during the game and stuff like that. So um, it was always going to be let down, and it's it's sometimes it's what the manager can do and what the team can do to try to overcome that. But it's it, it was difficult. They had a lot of possession, like you said, a lot of shots that just weren't capitalizing on it. And they've, we've said that many times in Napoli this season. It seems like they're not capitalizing on when they normally had in the past. So um, let down, like we said, and you know they'll have to learn from this going forward. It's it's going to be hard, especially when they play these teams again, Salzburg again, play Liverpool again. You know that next matchup is always difficult. You know it's natural to be to let down uh, your guard and um, to be a good team. You got to find ways to overcome that. You got to be resourceful. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, I mean, I'm not going to get uh, into a panic mode here um, about Napoli. This was one of those where the fixtures just catch up to you. Let's see how they respond to that, though, when they uh, when they host. They did the other side of this, uh, hosting Atalanta on Wednesday. This is going to be the big game, fourth against third. Um, how does, you know, we'll, we'll see how this uh, plays out. Um, certainly some rotation took place. Ruiz, was, Ruiz did not play. Elmas played from the start. Um, uh, but this performance also came at a cost. Horrible injury for Kevin Melqui. Yeah, that's a, it's it's not an injury anybody you know would want. Rup, off, rup, ruptured cruciate ligament. Yeah, I mean if he's not out for the season, I don't know, I don't know what kind of injury you could get that you know would, would keep him for that long. So it's unfortunate for him because he was having such a great season with with uh, under Ancelotti. He really seemed to find a spot with them. Um, now they're gonna have to go back to their tried and true, and hopefully they can uh, patch patch it up until uh, next season. Um, or bring someone in, bring someone in in the in the January window. I don't know, but that's going to be a heavy loss for them because uh, Malquid is uh, uh, looked like he's become something special with them. You know, having him and and Elmas and some of the other guys and new new recruits, if you want to call them, um, it was it was looking very promising for Napoli. Um, they're still very looking promising, but you know, Malquid, what a special player. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's uh, just a pity that uh, pretty pity that it ended. So, and and really not at a good time for Napoli, who are just you know have a bit of a fitness crisis with fullbacks right now. Um, you know, I I don't know if uh, help me out here was uh, who who went in for him. Um, looks like he. Let's see, Ruiz came on in the fifty fourth. Llorente and Callihan. So I think he just uh, you have uh, Gulam's available on the bench, but. Not somebody that uh, uh, Ancelotti's ready to roll with, but it looks like he might have to play him and put Di Lorenzo back over on the right-hand side. So we'll see what uh, what Carletto does here because um, his uh, fullback options continue to get shorter. I guess Maximovic can deputize as a right-back as well, so it uh, be interesting to see what happens there. And then Spall, they sit in the bottom three right now. Um, you know, this, uh, this Trafetza kid is... Uh, He's eventful. Uh, let's just put it that way. But I believe he had a an assist uh, in his first game, and then a double yellow, and then he served his suspension. Came back here, he's got an assist and another yellow. So uh, in in two games, he's got three yellows and two assists. You know, three yellows and two assists, or a red, a yellow, and two assists. Uh, you know, 
promising young player, you know, and uh, Rocco talked about him a little bit when we had him on a few weeks ago. And, um, but, uh, you know, making the game interesting, making Spall somewhat interesting to watch, isn't he? Yeah, he certainly is. A little bit reckless out there. You, you, you expect that from a youngster, but I mean, uh, reckless in the sense that you get a red card one game and come back after suspension and get a yellow card. Yeah, maybe you want to tone it down, kid. But he's doing great things, obviously, offensively as well, you know, getting assists in each of the games. Um, if he can if he can tone down that other side of the game, uh, he can be in the games longer and be more of a, uh, a help to his team as opposed to a possible hindrance. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that was 1-1. Torino Cagliari 1-1. Uh, I mean, quietly and under the radar and nobody's talking about it, Cagliari have, won, have gone seven without losing. Yeah, this team is uh, quietly putting together a very nice season. Yeah, they're they're sitting still, I think, in Europa League spots or European spots, but um, they're in the mix. I mean, they're only sitting two points off of the uh, the, the fourth place position. So uh, don't look now, but Cagliari, man, they're they're a tough place to play when they're at home, and and obviously they're they're tough on the road as well. So um, it's a quietly a a good good solid squad. I mean, from from front to back. Uh, they're going to be uh, they're going to be troubling a lot of teams, even the big teams up top, the the quote unquote you know top uh, normal top six. So uh, they, I think, they're here to stay, Kaliti, for this season at least, and um, they're going to they're going to give a lot of teams fight for this European spots. Yeah, uh, definitely agree with you there. Um, Torino, uh, it's boy, it's it's been interesting with them, hasn't it? Uh, they do get this one here. They they fought back for it. Um, you know, but uh, it's been a str- for a team with their quality. Uh, you know, like we say, it's it's a struggle to score goals. This is their first goal since uh, losing three two at Parma. Um, again, we we harped on this before, but this is not this is not good when you have players like Zaza and you've got players like Balotti. Uh, you know, who happen to be the two players that that contributed on the goal. Um, you know, the defending is going to be there to give them a chance to win just about every time, uh, but. Something needs to be done <laughs> clearly about the uh, you know about the scoring. I mean, what is it with them? Is it just a number of guys that are just not in good form right now? Is it you know is it that? Is it just struggling to score goals? You've said it may be the Mazzotti effect. Um, you know, I look at this lineup and I don't see why they they can't produce more against a, a Cagliari team that historically um, has been difficult has been easy to score on. Although they are they certainly look like they're much improved with. You know, dare I say it, Robin Olsen and goal. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and Pisacani, for as much as we made fun of him, uh, you know, on 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 the goal that he gave up a few weeks ago, he's been good. Cepatelli and and they've had a good base, you know, base defense here this season. But still, this is a game I would have thought Torino would have won. Yeah, and, and it's, I'm trying to wrap my head around what's what's the, what's the problem with the attacking of Torino, and the only thing that makes sense to me is the management. Um, we we talked about this when Giampaolo was at Sampdoria, and you know sometimes they would look amazing, other times they would just be like, "What the heck just happened?" They they can't even score. Um, it's a similar situation here where sometimes you know certain players are firing, maybe you know uh, a third of the of the attacking options are firing, and the rest of them are sleeping, and and then the next game another group is is playing well, and the other group and the rest of them who played well before are, are poor. So it's hard to to figure it out. I mean, Belotti's been the most consistent out of the group, um, whether getting goals or assists, but you know, sometimes Zaza shows up, sometimes he doesn't. Um, you know, the, the rest of the guys, Baselli and them, they, they start the season hot. Now they're in poor form. It's No one can be on the same page at the same time. And I got to think ultimately it comes down to the manager and just not pushing the right buttons, uh, only getting through to some players. So I don't know. Yep. 
Yep. No problem. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree there. Now let's uh, let's get to the fun. This is an undermanned Roma team that Milan couldn't beat. And really, Milan couldn't beat them because they made, you know, just like in the Lecce game, two dumb mistakes kept them from winning the game. In this case, two dumb mistakes keep them from even getting anything out of the game. Uh, how you leave no one within five yard of, yards of Aiden Dzeko on a corner kick is beyond me. Uh, and then, um, you know, for the spark that Calabria gave Milan coming in off the bench when Conti went off, he makes just one of the most boneheaded mistakes uh, you know, playing into pressure and giving away and basically just gifting Roma a goal. You know, let's start with Milan. I'm these two performances under Pioli. When you, if you take away the mistakes, okay, and how they've conceded these four goals, take all of that away. Me, you, and you watch this Milan team. Would you agree with me? Would you say this team looks pretty damn good? Um, they, but they, they but, were the better team, you know, before the before the goal came ahead from Roma. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, but the issue here is that fine, they, they look really damn good, but they're making enough mistakes that cost them the game. And I think that that's the thing that everybody uh, now has, you know, everybody runs into and it's just, uh, it's mystifying what can be done? How can this be done? How can, how can this be fixed? It's really hard to fix stupid mistakes, but this is also the peril of, putting a very young team out there. And why Gattuso said, if I stay on and I want to stay on, I need experience. I need a a veteran in this team that I can play regularly and play around these young guys. This is still a relatively young Milan team that's running out there. So at some, you know, we, I guess we have to expect dumb things to happen with this Milan team, but they're happening in bunches and it's preventing this team from making the kind of progress that you should expect from them. Right. Yeah. I mean, the first dumb thing that's happening is that you got Bilia Conti and, uh, and Suzo starting the games these days. But, um, that said, you know, it's, it is getting to like apocalypse mode. Cause yes, they do play very well now under Pioli. They look more, more attacking than they had before under Giampaolo completely. Um, however, the mistakes that they're making are, Ten times worse off than what it was under Giampaolo. It seems like any mistake they make, they get they get uh, they have to pay for it immediately. Uh, and shows with this, you know, how do you leave? Our, I mean, he is easily the best player on Roma in terms of, in terms of attacking option. Edin Dzeko, you leave him wide open the back post. Frank Cassie is like, yeah, I'm not going to guard him. He's not going to score. Oh, well, look, he scored. Uh, and then you know, Calabria with a perfect pass to Dzeko uh, that they end up leading to the to the uh, Zaniolo goal. Uh, these mistakes that they're making are so so hurtful for the team, and it's it's it you know just looking at results, you're like, man, this team is completely capitulating, and they're 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 you know what three points above relegation zone at the moment. But overall, if you, like you said, if you take those away, they're actually playing much better at the moment. You know, having Teo Hernandez in the lineup now, he's added so much. He's been he's probably the best player on the team for them uh, in that game. Leao is starting now as well, but. Still, you know, other dumb moves. You're not, you know, Piantic's not getting to the game until late. Rebic isn't even going to sniff on, on play. Benacer finally got in there, but you know, where's Krunic? Where's some of these other guys that they were that were brought in? So, uh, I don't know, man. It, it, while they look better, they're also playing worse because those mistakes are getting they're making they're making, they're getting paid for it um, tenfold than it was before under Giampaolo. Gotcha. Yeah, it's. Uh... You know, and that might just be kind of the growing pains with a new manager, okay? The, the the performances are getting better. You know, the mistakes will eventually start to normalize, and these will start turning into wins. 
but you have a very impatient fan base that's been waiting for a long, long time. Uh, and I think that that's part of the problem here. Uh, was there a, a question or a comment that came from a Milan fan that you that you said? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was uh, I got lost in my little rant there. So um, it comes from uh, Brian Johnson on Twitter, and he says um, I wasn't sure if I was watching Milan or my over thirty coed team. <laughs> I can see where he's saying that. I mean, you, you have like we just talked about, you know, stupid plays that happen. You know, billion billion not playing well. Conti can't mark anybody. Calabria giving it to the opposition for goals. Um, it, it's common, you know, Sunday league, you know, plays that, that are they're happening here, you know, plays that you expect that you and I would make in a Sunday league, uh, and they're happening on a professional level at uh, Milan. Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, and at some point, you know, like I said, the young naivete of these players stops being an excuse because at the end of the day, they're still professionals and they're paid and they're paid to do a job. So, um, you know, so hopefully this will this will normalize because this is really what's inhibiting the growth of this Milan team. I think there's a lot of potential. These are two games that should have been six points. Instead, they're sitting with one out of a possible six. Uh, so the performance and the way they're playing under Pioli is there. The mistakes are just, you know, they're, they're killing them. So um, Roma, uh, smash and grab job for them, really. I mean, when we talk about this, I, I don't want to sit here and harp on um, – you know, it was Milan this bad because, I mean, a good team is going to seize these opportunities, and that's exactly what Roma did. Yeah, and you got to give a lot of credit also to uh, Javier Pastore. He actually had a quite good, quietly good game, I, and I thought, in, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Um, so he did a lot of things. Zaniolo, you know, being Zan, doing Zaniolo things with a, with a great finish. Uh, no doubt about that. Goal will be candidate. Um, Edin Dzeko uh, doing what he does. Kolarov, you know, despite his lack of speed, um, he's probably faster than Suzo. Um, he, you know, he's, he uses his brains. He uses his um, positioning to try to, you know, beat the defenders and 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 get balls back from a uh, you know turnover. So, you know, this team is is figuring it out, and they got a they got a solid goalkeeper now. They finally got an upgrade from Olsen. Uh, Paulo Lopez uh, seems to be uh, uh, the heir apparent to Alisson. Uh, maybe not quite his level yet, but you know, he's 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 solid in net. They don't have to worry back there anymore, uh, which is great. Now they have to figure the rest of it out. Um, the consistency is the only thing missing with Roma at the moment. They, they're obviously going to have the attacking options with uh, under Apollo Fonseca, but um, what a way! You know, we saw when they got the confidence in, they started playing much, much better and really throwing it down the gauntlet of uh, Milan, uh, especially after that second goal. So, uh, good things from Roma coming. I, I, I see around the corner. And uh, probably the only time we've ever said this in four seasons on Serie A sit down. Federico Fazio <laughs> was outstanding. Yeah, <laughs> write that down. <laughs> I I mean he was I mean he I think that he had as much of a role uh, you know in Roma's performance in terms of trying to keep Milan out uh, as anybody did uh, in that back line I thought he did a great job you know r- relatively speaking in terms of neutralizing Leal um, uh, you know helping to provide some support when Souza was cutting in I think that he he handled his role and he did his job uh, you know quite effectively so um, that's something that, uh, hopefully we'll continue to see, uh, from him, at least for Roma's sake, if they want to continue to improve the defending had to get better. Uh, and in this case, it looks like, uh, you know, it certainly did that keeping Milan out for long stretches, except for the tail goal, which was really good. Um, but, uh, a Roma team that, uh, you know, opportunistic, uh, another player that I thought Veritu was really good in this game too. Um, yeah. you know, so, uh, 
Good performance, a makeshift lineup from Fonseca. They get away with it largely because of some ineptitude of the Milan players, and you really can't blame managers for that. Um, it's you know, it's just it's it's uh, youthful uh, youthful exuberance or or, uh, or badly misplaced youthful exuberance. I guess uh, we can call it that. I'm surprised I have not ranted as much as I thought I would about this game. I guess I've kind of gotten used to. You had a day to cool off too. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and you know and I think that that's a good thing. You take time to digest things and see where things are at and evaluate things. So, um, you know, so no shame in that. But uh, yeah, Lazio. Uh, this is a convenient time for me to uh, tell you, Richard. I think on the uh, Serie A sit down preview della Madonina, didn't I predict Ciro Immobile would be my uh, uh, was my did would be my what he was my pick for Capo Canigliari. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, he he was certainly uh, your pick, and he is certainly living up to the hype at the moment. Um, again with another goal, he finds ways to scores score goals. Though I thought the, I'm curious on the on the game winner. Um, I thought it could have been a foul on Lukaku on Chiesa, uh, just before the goal. But nonetheless, uh, your man Chiro Immobile, he gets into the right position every time. Um, and he finds ways to score goals. He has a magnet on his head, and uh, he 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 found the end of Lukaku's pass, and he put it away. Nothing the keeper could have done about it. So. Um, if only he could figure a way to do that for the national team, right? Yeah, that's the only thing that's holding him back. You got to think that it's set up for him. I think it's just the system at Lazio. He just thrives in it better. You're playing a yeah, yeah. You know, you're playing in a three-five-two. Uh, You've got a support striker. You know, I think it's a system thing, and I think that Immobile seems to have a more. Where, where you seen Immobile thrive? It's when he's lined up with a second striker and it's a two-striker system. At Torino, when he was with Cerchi, he was outstanding. Um, now here, whether it's Correa, you know, whether it's Caicedo, whether you push Luis Alberto up, you know, it's you're seeing um, you're seeing a, a situation here where. Um, Immobile is thriving in a 4-3-3 where there's two strikers and now he's the solo guy and he's having to make all of the runs and he's now tracked by two center backs in, in more traditional you know four four man defenses. There seems to be challenges for him. Okay, so it's it's you know he's he's double marked the Greece game he was double marked all game and hardly got a chance. Um, you know that's as, as an example when he has a second striker supporting him taking some of that pressure off of him and it's more 1v1 situations and he can now move and drift and find the space and two defenders can't track him it's a little bit easier for him um you know so i the Lazio system for whatever reason is suiting his skill set more than the national team setup you just hope that he's a striker that's willing and ready to adapt because i think that you know for as long as he's you know, for as long as he's going to, uh, uh, you know, be in the Italy setup, that's something that he's going to have to do if Italy uh, expect to be successful. And I think what he has going for him at Lazio is that Inzaghi trusts him and allows him to be free on the pitch and kind of roam around where he sees fit to get into those little niche spots and, and, and get those passes and make those runs. Uh, more as with the, with the under Mancini, um, he, he has to be in certain ways, make certain runs, make certain lines. He's up there by himself, like you said. So having having a lack of freedom maybe with the Italian national team is hurting him as well, and maybe if he had a second striker, as you said, uh, and and given more freedom, he could make some of those similar runs as he does with Lazio. Yeah, as it pertains to Fiorentina, I mean, uh, hard luck for them because I think that this was this was a great game, very balanced game. 
Uh, both teams fought for possession. Uh, both teams created chances. Lazio certainly creating more chances on target. Um, you know, but uh, the combination of Ribery and Chiesa once again uh, showing its effect. Um, the midfield uh, relatively solid here. Uh, Dragovski keeping uh, Fiorentina in the game, as I mentioned, more chances on target for Lazio uh, in this game. Uh, but um, it seems like Montella has has found a rhythm. He's found a consistent eleven here at Fiorentina, and uh, they're going to be hard done by uh, losing this match and dropping all three points. Uh, but big picture, there's uh, there's something to look forward to here, isn't there? There is, and I think having a player, you know, many wonder what Frank Ribery would brought would have brought to. Fiorentina, but what we're seeing is that he's not only bringing mentorship for Chiesa because Chiesa is now starting to figure out how to put the ball in the net. Um, a lot of that, you know, don't don't uh, underestimate this. Is a lot of this has to do with Frank Ribery and, and and in practice, you know, showing him, telling him, talk, putting, you know, talking in his ear, tell him what he needs to do. That you know, Ribery's been there. He's scored many goals in his career. He knows how to do it. And he knows how to how to get to players like Chiesa to make them better. So that's that's been immense there. And then obviously the partnership between both of them. Um, I think Motella is realizing this and, and, and trying to take advantage of it where in the beginning of the season, Ribery was getting, you know, some minutes coming off the bench, this and that. But the chemistry is so evident there that he's realizing, you know, what, I'm going to put them together and let them do work their magic and hopefully the rest of the team follows suit, uh, which I think they will. Uh, it just will take some time. But uh, it's unfortunate for them, like you said, that they ended up uh, losing this game because I thought, you know, the way they played it was certainly an entertaining game. Um, Lazio fans are not going to like me saying this, but, you know, it probably should have been a good a draw. But, uh, obviously, a good credit to Lazio for winning, but um, good things to come between between this duo and for Montella's men, really. Yep, for sure. So when we we look at the table here, it's uh, Juve on twenty three, Inter twenty two, Atalanta twenty, Napoli seventeen. So the four Champions League teams are in the top four: Roma and Lazio fifth and sixth. So really, uh, you know, no big surprise. I mean, Cagliari is uh, equal on points to Lazio. I think it's a uh, there's some. It's a goal difference thing that's separating them because they haven't played each other yet this season. Um, you know, so that's looking at it at the top. You know, so where we're at with the top six, certainly not a surprise. Uh, where we're at at the bottom might surprise some people. Uh, Sampdoria clearly at the foot at four points. This has been a problem for a while now. Brescia and Spal each on seven, and then you got Genoa, Lecce on eight, Verona, Sassuolo on nine. Um, so that's, uh, that's how things sit. And, uh, you know, Milan 10 and Udinese on... 10 have to at least talk about them strangely enough milan lost and they moved up a place i think they were 13th coming in uh, yeah that's so odd. very odd but yeah i think that points, points I, off the drop i think that's the result of udinese getting bashed so yeah um but uh um so i mean top six seems to be status quo i mean taking a look at the teams after them I mean, who right now do you see is is best equipped to possibly unseat it, un, unseat anyone in the top six at this point? It's got to be Cagliari. I mean, I, lo- I love what Parma's doing, you know, with with the Kuliszewski and 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 Gervinho and Cornelius and um, and Ingles and all of them, but uh, and Fiorentina as well with the guy the potential that they have there and having a great goalkeeper and Dragowski, um, Bologna with the resurgence this year. But I think Cagliari with the players that they have on, on their disposal at the moment. Uh, the the X factor being at home, uh, making it so difficult to play there on the island, and 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 they're they're feeding off the momentum at the moment. I think Aleri is the one that's uh, gonna give the Roman clubs a scare, and and who knows, you know, how well 
they continue playing on the rest of the season. Um, they could maybe uh, even get past that. But at the moment, that's going to be the, the position that we're going to look at is fifth and sixth. Uh, and Colady can certainly make a jump into those positions. Yeah, I mean, playing at home in Sardinia is going to have the is going to be a distinct advantage. Not having yeah. a European distraction. Yeah. With respect to the other six, that's going to be a distinct advantage. I think uh, I think Parma's position flatters them. I think that's going to normalize a little bit, and they're going to find themselves back in that 10th, 11th, and 12th. I think Fiorentina can definitely make a push. I think if Bologna can keep improving, um, I think they have the kind of team that can cause some problems here. I don't know if they're ever going to get to top six, but I, I think they're going to they're going to continue to fight for Mihailovic, uh, and they and they're going to continue to play for each other. Certainly, um, a team that I enjoy watching when I'm not watching Milan. Um, so, and I'm not enjoying watching Milan these days. Um, so, you know, so those are the teams that I'd probably say out of what's in the top half. And I'd probably put in that, or I think Fiorentina, I'm just going to put Fiorentina ahead of Cagliari. Um, okay. but boy, they're, I mean, Cagliari's very, very close. Um, and then I would say Bologna after that. Uh, I just, that Torino's just having too much inconsistency and, um, you know, the things that you've said about Mazzari, I just can't see it. And, and, and Milan, until they can eliminate the mistakes, they're just not in this conversation. So, um, you know, so I, you know, I, I, crazy thing is, is they're only seven points out of the Champions League places and only five points out of the European, out of the Europa League places for as bad as they've been. And there's, tw- there's 29 games to play. So, you know, while they stink, they, what's working for them is everybody else is figuring out how to trip over themselves too. So, um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, it's a long way to go, but nine games in, we're seeing a lot of interesting stuff, uh, you know, going on. So let's get to our goals of the week, Richard, and I'll start with you. All right. So top five goals, I think they're going to be a little bit different from yours, which is fine. Uh, we like to have some uh, some variety here on the show. You got to have some uh, debate, sure. My honorable mentions are going to be uh, Goran Pandev with his uh, wonderful strike third goal of the game for Genoa. Uh, Juricic, I loved his strike there. Uh, Sassuolo game was very highly underrated. I thought it was a very entertaining game. Um, Gabbiadini, his strike uh, was an honorable mention for me. And then also Lukaku with the with a little twist pirouette thing he did to score the goal. Yeah. Uh, onto, my, onto my top five. Uh, number five from the Genoa matchup again is Kevin Agudelo. Uh, I liked his strike. Uh, it was, uh, you know, a turnover was forced, and he came in there and, and got the goal around the defender, around the around the goalie. Uh, well, well struck. Coming in number four for me, Nahitan Nandez. Uh, Nandez getting some love in this one. I thought uh, I love the strike he had in the game, uh, far far side, uh, getting the goal uh, for his club. Uh, coming in number three, seventeen year old from Atalanta, Amadiallo Traore, um, getting his goal in there. I mean, what a goal for a seventeen year old! Uh, to score for your first goal in Syria. I mean, hey, all hats to him. Full credit, no doubt about it. This is where I think there's going to be a lot of debate. Um, as much as everyone loves Sandro Tonali, and I love that goal, um, I'm more of, of an acrobatic-type goal kind of guy. So I put Sandro Tonali at number two with his an amazing free-kick goal. Um, and I just I just slightly edge Christian Kawame with his uh, side volley. Uh, beautiful. I just love acrobatic goals. And that's why I gave him just a slight edge over Tonali, despite how beautiful that goal was by Tonali. Oh, you are con- you are going to cause some controversy, aren't you? I am. So, all right, um, all right. I, you know, I, I don't. You you are missing you are missing one that you didn't even mention. That's going to make my top five. Okay. Uh, in fact, is going to be number two. So yeah, we are definitely uh, we are definitely going to uh, differ. 
uh, here on this list. I'm going to start number five. I thought Gabbiadini's goal was really good in consolation for Sampdoria. Um, uh, you know, very well taken there. So uh, he's my number five goal. Uh, Naitan Nandes gets uh, the nod at number four for me for Cagliari. Um, number three, I'll go with the Kwame goal. I have that third on my list. I uh, thought that was a terrific, terrific finish. Um, number two for me, this is the one that you left off. Uh, I really like the goal by Jan Karamo for, for Parma. Yeah. Um, from distance. So uh, that gets my number two. And I the, the Sandro Tonali free kick is the number one goal for me, the goal of the week. So um, so that's uh, that's where I'm going there. Uh, winners and losers, I'll start with this. Uh, winner for me, Tiago Mota, making his Genoa debut, making all of the right changes uh, and giving Genoa uh, – boy, why couldn't Milan hire Tiago Mota? Um, at least we have a manager that knows how to adjust, at least on a one-game sample. Um, so uh, – Tiago Mota leading Genoa to a 3-1 win in his debut in charge and hopefully uh, beginning a climb to some level of respectability for the Grifone. Um, losers for me are Inter and Napoli. Juventus dropped points and they didn't take advantage. Um, and, and probably more so Inter than Napoli. A, a winnable game despite the form that Parma are in. Um, but uh, an opportunity for Inter to regain their place at the top of the table and they didn't seize it. Uh, very, very casual in their performance. Napoli um, you know, maybe a little harsh on them, as we mentioned, having to travel to Salzburg and having to go through a really emotional game uh, over 90 minutes and trying to, uh, to to gut out three points there and then having to come back and play at Spall after that. Um, but if you want to win the title, these are the games you got to win. Uh, so, um, you know, so for me, losers are Inter and Napoli. I say that as a Milan supporter because it's some, you know, I've got to chase. I've got to chase some fan bases here while I'm uh, while I'm struggling with my Milan. So, how about you? <laughs> uh, winners for me: um, Sassuolo getting a tight victory against Hellas Verona. Uh, they really got some uh, very entertaining youngsters in Juricic, Bolga, Duncan, and so on. And obviously, um, um, Domenico Berardi as well. But um, for them to get a one nothing victory, you know, keep a shutout, which is very big. Uh, very rare uh, for Sassuolo. I, I'm gonna give them the winners for me, um, and then losers for me. Um, I gotta try to go away from Milan in this one. Um, Sampdoria, you know, we thought with Ranieri that it would have uh, a big improvement um, from EDF, and it hasn't quite happened yet. Maybe just because it's still too early in the Ranieri reign, and they still gotta wash away some of that 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 old EDF uh, stink from them, but. Um, the two performances they had so far, the first one was a, a spirited one, but it was a debut for Ranieri, so I can see why they would have done well there. Uh, Bologna, though it's a tough team to play against, they really didn't put you know too much of a fight. I mean, yeah, you know Bologna um, did their part as well, but you'd expect more for the, from the talent that they have, Sampdoria do, and uh, they're just not they can't they don't have the confidence at the moment, and they need to figure it out. Um, so those, those are my winners and losers. Yep. Yep, for sure. So your winners and losers, your goals of the week, go to at City I Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, let's talk midweek action. Okay, so we have two games on Tuesday, Richard. Uh, Parma will host Hellas Verona, Brescia hosting Inter. Uh, so uh, uh, Balotelli getting to take on one of his former teams uh, if he if he plays. Uh, Wednesday is where it gets kind of juicy. Um, Napoli hosting Atalanta, fourth hosting third. You have Cagliari hosting Bologna, an under-the-radar, very intriguing game there in Sardinia. Juve 
hosting uh, Genoa. That was great, Tiago Mota. Now you got to go to the uh, the home of the champions. Let's see how yeah. you do there. Um, Lazio will host uh, Torino. Sampdoria hosting Lecce. Uh, Ranieri, if you're going to win, this is one you better win. Uh, mm-hmm. Sassuolo and Fiorentina in a game that could end up being like 5-3. to three. Um, And then Udinese hosting Roma in a game that might have just one goal in it. Um, just because when you go to the Dacia, that's pretty much what's going to happen. So, And after Udinese uh, allowed seven, that's going to probably be the focus of how they train. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I clearly the uh, clearly the table is set for uh, uh, for the fixtures on Wednesday, but uh, Tuesday. I mean, right now, uh, Brescia Inter, uh, Brescia at home can be on the stingy side a little bit. They've they've found results hard to come by so far. Uh, an Inter team that probably thought they had you know, or at least treated the uh, Parma game like it was going to be an easy three points and learned the hard way that it wasn't. Um, you know, that's an interesting one to me. Uh, and then obviously Napoli Atalanta is the pick of them. That's going to be a beautiful game. Uh, throw out some predictions from, uh, uh, from this round of games. Um, I think Parma should be able to handle Hellas Verona fairly easily. I think, um, I would love to see nothing more than, uh, Balotelli scoring a goal against Inter and then pulling out of Milan Jersey afterwards. But, uh, we can only dream, right? I, Inter right. should win that game. I think Napoli and Atalanta, I think is probably going to be a draw but i think it'll be obviously the most entertaining game of the of the weekend uh i look to Cagliari to win at home against bologna juve genoa i'm going to call a draw on this one i think tiago moto is going to pull something out and and try to confuse uh juventus which is going to be hard to do um but it's it's going to be another stalemate in that one i think lazio should be able to take torino I'm going to say, I'm going to hope Sampdoria gets a, a win against uh, Lecce. We'll see. Lecce's been very stingy. Uh, game I'm looking forward to, Sassuolo Fiorentina, like you said, 5-3 could be a final score in that one. Uh, let's see if uh, Fiorentina can figure this one out. Um, I think I'm going to give them the slight edge in that. Uh, Udinese against Roma. Roma should get a goal in that one, win that one nothing. Um, it's going to be difficult. And then the Dolphest of the week, uh, midweek, is going to be Milan Spall. I'm looking at a, a score 1-1 draw in that one. Okay, yeah, I'm... Don't have a problem with any of those predictions. Uh, you know, I actually think Napoli are going to. Uh, this just feels like a Carlo Ancelotti tactical masterclass against Gasparini, uh, and a, I, I'm going to go for a two-one win uh, for the Partenope. Uh You know, I think they'll just nick it. I think they'll have the the advantage of playing at the San Paolo. Uh, but what a game that's going to be! Um, like I said, I think that Sassuolo Fiorentina is going to be five-three. I'm going to say five-three in favor of Fiorentina. Yeah. Um it's just gonna be a goal fest there. Um I think Inter will come good and I think they'll get it right against Brescia. Um Brescia struggled just enough to score goals in an inter team that, you know, Conte's gonna ma- demand a better performance defensively than what he's what we saw. And I would say that um uh you know, a a a two one or a two nil win for Inter there. I think those are probably some of the key results you can you can look forward to. So uh, just a, a bonus this weekend, Richard. Uh, you have, um, you know, if you know the Serie A gods haven't screwed Napoli enough with the schedule, having to play Atalanta at home at midweek, they've got to go and play at Roma at the Olimpico on Saturday as the first game on the slate on Saturday. Um, you have the Derby della Mole with uh, Torino and Juventus. Uh, you have Milan hosting Lazio on Sunday. You've got um, 
uh, Atalanta hosting Cagliari. So uh, some yeah. big, big games this week and a uh, lot to look forward to. Uh, so let's uh, let's give a look-ahead prediction of those four games. Let's start, okay, Roma-Napoli, uh, Torino-Juve. Roma-Napoli, Torino-Juve, Atalanta-Cagliari, Milan-Lazio. Uh, pick the winners in the score. Uh, Roma-Napoli, I'm going to go Napoli is going to win that 3-1. Uh, Derby della Mole. I'm gonna give uh, Juve the win in that one, two to one. Atalanta against Cagliari. Atalanta is at home, so I'm gonna give them the two-one uh, victory there. I wanted to go more high scoring. And then lastly, uh, Milan hosting Lazio. I'm gonna give it to uh, the Churi Mobile show, three-one Lazio. Okay. Um, I think that here's here's where I'm going to be at. I, I got uh, Napoli three two over Roma, so we're we're in agreement that Napoli are going to win away there. Um, then we'll then I'm going to say the uh, Juve is going to win the Derby della Mole two nil. Um, okay. And then and then uh, let's see Atalanta four Cagliari two. I think that's a goal fest there. Yeah. Um, and then Milan Lazio, I'm gonna. That's gonna be my shock. I'm gonna just be the eternal optimist here, and Pioli is gonna pull one on his old team. Not gonna keep Immobile out because he's my pick for Capo Canigliari. Immobile is gonna <laughs> score, but Milan are gonna win. They're gonna win two goals to one. Okay, okay. Originally, I was gonna go with four two with the Atalanta game, but I decided to go two one. So. <laughs> um. San Siro, uh, at least the Milan City Council want to keep it and let Milan and Inter go ahead with their stadium plan. Uh, I mean, that, that feels weird to me. We're just going to let the San Siro collect dust while, uh, while the uh, teams play in the other stadium. It's, there's no way that's going to, there's no way it's going to go forward like that. Is there? Who knows with the, with the, the stuff that's coming out of Milan lately. Um, it wouldn't, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I, if you build a new stadium, you can at least attract new, uh, you know, music, music there and different other events there. If you have two, two locations, then, you know, are you expecting to draw just a bigger crowd there? I mean, it's, I guess it's possible, but, um, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Why do you have two stadiums right next door to each other when one's going to be used and the other one isn't, you know, it's, it's different. Sure. If one, in, you had two different teams, you know, and they, they, well, they do have different, different teams, but if, you know, one team played a one, one played the other, but they don't, it's not the case. It doesn't make sense. Sure. Sure. We'll see what happens. I mean, but uh, I mean, this is Italy, and a lot of strange decisions are being made out there these days by strange people. And uh, maybe it's just you know the in 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 recognition of the holiday coming up and uh, with Halloween and all that other stuff. And uh, but who knows? Uh, <laughs> it could be anything, really. So, but uh, I think we're good with that. We'll put a bow on uh, on the city. I sit down on this edition of city. I sit down, Richard. Uh, anything to plug? Yes, uh, I'm much long awaited after many battles of Syria. Uh, the top five will be released here uh, shortly after the podcast. And then also uh, look for the uh, video on Tiago Mota, um, where we talk about you know what he can bring to uh, what he can bring to Genoa and what kind of formations we may see with him. So uh, look forward to that. Other than that, you can find me at r underscore k h a r m a n. So they prioritized uh, allowing us to use their footage over racism. Just like they, they well, they pri- they're priori- they're they're prioritizing using every they're prioritizing everything over racism, so it's not a surprise. But right. no, good to hear, good to hear that we're going to get to use that footage again and get those videos up and running. I think our listeners definitely enjoy that, and uh, 
eventually I'm going to start doing videos here. I just, when I can get around to it and when life can slow down for me and my son's soccer season is over with. So maybe I might find some time to do it now. So, but until I get on those videos, I'm at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter. That's where you uh, can best find me these days in the uh, social circles. Um, at City I sit down uh, on Twitter or Instagram with any comments, with any thoughts, with any opinions or input. Uh, we welcome it all. Nothing's uh, nothing's a bad, no questions a bad one, no comments a bad one for us. Uh, we try to address everything that we possibly can. Uh, Setia Sit Down, we have our own channel on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also find us on Stitcher, Spotify, just about anywhere podcasts are played. Um, and of course, as Richard alluded to, the Setia Sit Down uh, channel on YouTube. Go check that out. Check out some past videos, some tactical discussion. Um, Go and see how Milan should have looked under Giampaolo and never did, uh, among uh, among some other things. And then uh, you also the uh, the Fonseca video came out, I believe, a week and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so, and uh, you're going to talk about the uh, possible Tiago Mota two seven two setup. So, uh, can't wait to see that. So, um, you know, so go and check that out. And uh, as always, uh, you know, keep listening. Uh, we'll be back next week to break down. Uh, probably won't break down the midweek games, but we're going to break down what will be a very, very eventful weekend with those four big games that we just got done discussing. So uh, do be on the lookout for that. Um, for Richard, I'm Frank. Thank you again for listening. And as always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.